here. I want to ask you to do something that if when I go to church somewhere and people ask me to do it, it really annoys me. That is, would you just uh, extend your hand and greet someone next to you and say, hey, I'm glad you're at the gathering. And if you're sitting by yourself, would you like to join me or something like that? Thank you, guys. Awesome job. You may be seated. You're so obedient. You're going to be like, can we sit down? Imagine. Imagine a place where if you were arrested on Saturday and you got out on bail on Saturday night, the first place you would want to go on Sunday morning is the gathering. You might embarrass us, but at least we wouldn't shoot you. Imagine a place where skin tone or national origin or lifestyle or political persuasion were all checked at the door. Imagine a place that operated by the KISS method. Keep it simple and sincere. Imagine a place that wasn't bound by traditional brick-and-mortar limitations but was more viral that spread like good news. Imagine a place that you would go to and leave feeling better than when you came. Imagine a place if you went and you were bored to tears, you knew you had made the wrong turn. Imagine a place that you would never be embarrassed to invite anyone to, no matter who they were or what they were going through, because you knew somewhere in the process of that service and that experience, God would speak to them at the heart of their very need. Imagine a place where everyone was someone, welcomed, wanted, but not watched and worn out. Imagine a place where you could gather in a hotel ballroom around other people and still feel at home. Imagine a place that were more like the place that King David talked about when he said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Imagine a place that if you awakened on Sunday morning, you thought about where you were and what the day held, the first good idea that crossed your mind was let's get up and go to the gathering. Imagine a place that you got up and your first idea was, I don't want to go anyone, anywhere around anyone. I'm so miserable and hopeless and broken. Not even church can help me. But somehow, someway, something got you out of that bed, into your car, and into that room, and God showed up, and you walked saying, how could I have lived if I would not been here? That's what I want to be a part of. That's what I have been a part of. When God shows up and builds his church. I love what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews 10. By the way, you have outlines. I'm sure you're using them. But if you don't, they're online at davidfosteronline.com. So if you don't want to fill out the blanks, you can get it all free. How's that? Well, there will be a charge, but it'll be free to some of you. 
Listen to this. Let us draw near to God with sincere hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised us is faithful. And let us consider how we can spur one another on toward love and good works. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of of doing, but let us come together and make each other miserable by the gathering, right? No, come together and let us what? Encourage one another. Today is the first official day of what we're calling the gathering. Where we go from here, we don't have a clue. I actually think we're going to be back here next week sometime. Who knows? You have to be. The great thing about the gathering is if you are not internet savvy, we don't want you. (laughs) If you can't type in a gatheringforhope.com, don't come. That's our new slogan. Isn't this amazing? This thing was full in the last, and then all of you are here, and all these people were volunteering. I got this morning. And, uh, you know, I've been without a job, so you get up on Sunday morning, and you just say, what do you do? You know, last week I went to the ball game, that's what I did, and some of y'all were there, I think. And uh, they got up this morning and said, you know, we're going gonna, gonna, we're gonna to go to the gathering. And I said, I feel, a little, I feel a little guilty because, you know what, I haven't really done anything to contribute to the process. And now that I'm here and have, having not contributed to the process, it feels really good. To be a part of something where people are excited about doing something great for God and good for people, a gathering. That idea grows on me. As a matter of fact, the, the, the Bible uh, uses the word church. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the, the gates of hell or the gates of death will not prevail against it. The word church in the Greek is the word ekklesia. We could call it ekklesia, but I can't pronounce that word really well most of the time. And uh, so I thought, why don't we just call it what the word means, a gathering. Jesus called his church the gathering together. We're gathering here today to worship God together today in this moment. We're here to encourage one another. Some of you are here because you are interested in being a part of something new and different and who knows where it's going to go and how it's going to land. Some of you are here because you're desperate. Some of you are here because you've just gotten the news that you have cancer or you've lost your job or there's a relationship that's broken and you've come here to not hear about anyone's politics or conflict, but you've come to hear about how God can meet you in this moment with all of these people here together. And is there any hope? Is there any reason to walk out of this place feeling better than when you came. And I'm here to tell you there absolutely is. Absolutely is. Now, at the end of this service, we're going we're gonna to end this service the way I think we're probably going to do every gathering. And that is I'm going to stand down front and some other people will come down front. And I'm happy to meet with you. But most importantly, we want to pray with anyone here today who wants, who needs prayer. Because my prayers are more effective than any of the rest of y'all's prayer because I'm ordained. <laughs> right? No. Uh, yeah. You're laughing, and I know you're not, I know you mean it, but. <laughs> but the end of the service, 
a lady came down. She was very sweet, and she broke, and she had to sit down, and she said, I can't go another day. And I said, yes, you can. And I meant it. Because I know that when you are at the end of yourself and you gather around other believers, something good always happens. It's when we gather around each other in those moments when we think that we have failed, we've messed up, that we're in a situation we can't get out of. It's a health problem, a relation problem, an employment problem, some nightmare and somehow the Satan says you can't go another step. Maybe that's why God created us with a gathering DNA. Isn't that interesting? We are gatherers. We love coming together. Like last, last Sunday, I went to the Titans. I did something I never done before. I went to the Titans home opener. And there were 70,000 of my closest friends there. And you know what's interesting? I don't think any of us, I mean, of course, we all, some of us believe in miracles, don't you? So I don't think any of us really thought we'd probably win. I mean, you know, maybe. We almost won. It's like last night over in Knoxville, we almost won. Got hosed. Florida pagans. But, you know... 105,000 people in Knoxville. There are not 105,000 people in all of East Tennessee. But through our own game day, I used to make fun of that until I went. We're gatherers. We love coming together. And, you know, we were, we were at the, the ball game, and, of course, everyone, when you pay your ticket and, you know, and buy your drink, you've earned the right to criticize and cuss if, you, if you're not a Baptist. Put it in Volick, put it in Vince, take out Collins, and all these people screaming. You know what we're doing? We were having a good time. We are gatherers. The new symphony just opened. Isn't it just gorgeous? What a beautiful building. We are constantly building places and spaces to gather because we were created by God to be better together than we are alone. We come together and we have more faith together than we do alone. More strength together than we do alone. You let Satan just take any one of us and just isolate us and we'll shrivel up. We'll listen to our heads. We'll listen to that self-doubt and self-loathing. You're not worthy to be loved. You've sinned so badly. You've gone so far. But put us together. Put us together. Let God show up and something good happens. We begin looking around at other people and say, that person doesn't look very smart. I look smarter than him, but he looks happy. He's here. You look around at other people and say, I know I've got more going for me than most of the people in this room. And they look okay. Maybe I'll make it. We are gathering people. So here's my hope and prayer and passion, that the gathering will, first of all, be a place where we welcome everyone as someone. Where we welcome everyone as someone. Where anyone who wants to come feels like they can fit in. Because really, how different are we? Let's be honest. 
I mean, we look different, our heights are different, our experiences are different, our skin tones are different, maybe our family of origin are different, but you know what? We're all messed up in basically the same way. Some of us are messed, more messed up than others. Want to vote? Yeah. Listen to this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners, this is out of Luke 15, and the living translation, it says this, now the the dishonest tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I like that. That, I'm a notorious sinner. When your face is on the news for all the wrong reasons, you are a notorious sinner. Amen? And these people were all, you say the word, what? Gathering around to hear him. You see, people who were broken and hurting and who knew it were attracted to Jesus. Why? Because he is the only enduring rumor of hope. He is the Messiah, the Savior. There was something simple about him and yet profound. He spoke as one, the Bible says, having great authority. He spoke without footnotes. reference points. He spoke to the hearts of people where they were, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Isn't that a great word? Mutter. Mutter is an onomatopoetic word. It's a word that sounds like it sounds. Mutter. Well, the good thing is you're not very good mutterers. That's a good thing. But the Pharisees, the religious people, were angry. The man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told the parable, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one. Are you with me? Are you with me so far? You have a hundred sheep. You lose one. Okay, are we together? That means you've lost one, but you still have how many? Good math. You guys are great. See, internet skills, math skills, see? Okay, this is Jesus. Does he not leave the 99 in the, not in the country, but in the what? This is karaoke, so you help. Not just in the country, but in the open country. And he goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. Okay, let me ask you this question. Would you do that? Would you leave 99 sheep you've got, you have, you cor- I mean, you, you're in control of, in the open country and go get one? You see, how many times do we read this stuff and say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And that makes no sense whatsoever. Does it? No. That's dumb math. I mean, you go back and you say, listen, I had 100, I lost one. I'm sorry. You know, what can I say? I still have 99. And, you know, the owner may be a little miffed, but you go back and say, I had 100, I lost one. I don't have any of them anymore because I left 99 in open country to go get the one. I'm empty-handed. You could be incarcerated for that. But Jesus says God has a different way of adding up value. 
And Jesus says when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder. He goes home. He calls his friends together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven, heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. What does that tell you? In the eyes of God, every life matters. Every life matters. No one is beyond being loved, being known, being celebrated, or being redeemed. You know what I found? That's what we all want. We want to be loved, we want to be known, we want to be celebrated, and we want to be redeemed. We want to go around people who believe that that is possible because we all need redemption at some point. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine when I was going through a difficult time, and he has been particularly understanding and nice to me, and I didn't really know him that well and didn't really like him that much. And I told him, I said, you know, I've been, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I haven't known you better because I you know, really respect you. You've been so kind and so understanding and so sympathetic and so strong. I said, why? He said, simple. Today, it's your turn. Tomorrow, it'll be my turn. And you better be there for me. Amen. Today, it may be your turn. Tomorrow's going to be your turn. And we better be there for each other. I want to be a part of something where everyone is someone, where everyone is celebrated, where everyone, I was in a meeting the other night and, I, and went in, and I knew no one. Everyone out on a suit and tie except one guy. There were 50 people in a room, everyone suit and tie. Even the women had on suit and ties. <laughs> but this one goober, no suit and tie. You can guess who that was. <laughs> I knew no one. I felt, you know, and I wanted to leave. I want to get up and leave. And someone came up, touched me on the shoulder and said, I got my Dave rave this week. It was awesome. And all of a sudden, just that one sympathetic voice, someone who said my name and knew me, kind of made everything okay. I want to be a part of a gathering where when you come in the back door, someone turns, smiles, and stands up and says, come sit with us. Wouldn't that be cool? And then if there are no spaces, they just tell people, move over, because we want them to sit with us. I want to be a part of a gathering where we worship Jesus with joy and without apology. I'm a Jesus guy. That's all I've ever known. That's all I've known my all adult life. Jesus Christ revolutionized my life. He changed my heart. When I was 18 years old, and that... that love affair, that obsession, that magnificent obsession of his love for me as I am, not as I ought to be, has continued to this moment. Someone asked me the other day, he said, has this really challenged your faith? No, not at all. It hasn't challenged my faith at all. Because you know what? I know how broken we all are, including me. It's just, it's just helped me engage what I've already known and taught to all y'all. You know what's really interesting about what I've been through? Learning point. Write this down. Tattoo this on your head. 
Whatever you give people in the good times, they'll give you back in the bad. If you give them hell in the good times, they'll give it right back in the bad. But if you give them grace in the good times, they'll give it right back in the bad. That's how we're supposed to be, to encourage one another, to stimulate, to spur one another. Well, where does that come from? It comes from Jesus. Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, the Messiah, the living God. And Jesus says, upon that profession, I will build a new kind of people. And God has always had his people. He says, the gates of death will not prevail against it. And no matter how goofy, how weirded out the church of Jesus Christ has been over the centuries, he has always found ways to redeem it and reclaim it and renew it and put it back on Main Street where it can have its redemptive effect. I want to be a part of something where everyone feels wanted and welcome and it feels like someone worthy of being known, loved, celebrate and redeem. I want to be a part of something where Jesus Christ is our joy and we preach him, his love, his forgiveness, his deity, and his uniqueness without apology. I am a Jesus guy. As one kid said to me at NC State several years ago, Jesus is cool. Christians creep me out. And I say, amen. Jesus is cool. Christians still creep me out. How about you? I want to be a part of something where we work hard at simply being the church. The KISS method. Simplicity. Simply being the church in this brave new world. The world has really changed. For example, we live in the new Wallace world as a result of the death of distance. There are no walls and boundaries anymore. Think about how many of... I mean, everyone who came here today heard this through someone, you know, the internet or, you know, Kroger or Publix or, you know, walls just don't matter anymore. Fewer and fewer of us are impressed by church buildings and steeples and all that stuff. The brave new world is wireless as a result of the internet revolution. This talk will be up on iTunes this afternoon. Isn't that weird? So anyone from anywhere can download it and listen to it. A good friend of mine, Stephen Mansfield, just wrote last year, The Faith of the American Soldier. Talked about how when he was in Afghanistan and in, in Iraq, that he had, saw soldiers where their pastor would speak that morning. They could have their sermon downloaded on their iPod in a Humvee going on a patrol that night. It's absolutely amazing how fast, how much we can access for our own spiritual growth and nourishment. And the new world is also a, not just a wallless world, and a wire, it's a worn out world. I mean, is that how you feel? You know, I talk to people all the time and they're worn out. They go on vacation and they come back worn out. They have a weekend getaway to Chicago and come back worn out. Hey, go to the pizza place. Try to order a pizza without getting worn out. It's not 30 kinds 
of pizza. It's 30 kinds of cheeses on this pizza. I mean, have you ever been to a restaurant where they have to have a little wagon to bring the menu to you? It's so big, it's huge. It's got advertisements in it. It's got pictures of food in it, which are never advertising to me. You know, the complexity of our lives. We're worn out, not because we work so hard. We just don't, we have so many decisions to make in a day. We're mentally and emotionally worn out. I want to go worship. I want to be a part of a gathering of people that keeps it simple. Simple and sincere. Those are the words that resonate in my heart and in my mind. Imagine being a part of that, where everyone was welcome, where Jesus Christ was worshiped and adored with joy. Much like what you're displaying right now. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 you go out, you, you go, to, go, to the, go to a restaurant on Sunday afternoon with all the church people go out and eat. I'm sorry. They don't look very joyful. They look like they have indigestion to me. <laughs> Not much joy. And no wonder people say, you know, I just, if that's the Jesus thing, I'll opt out of that. Where things are simple. You see, I'm no longer, I've been in this a long time. And I have to tell you, I, I, I am, I've never been more excited about Jesus, never been more unimpressed with myself. Never been more excited about the possibilities of the future and never been less preoccupied with the what-ifs of the past. So let me tell you what I'm not interested in doing. I'm not interested in defining the church by bricks and mortar in a place that's open one day a week. Think about the American church. 85% of the churches in this country are in decline or free fall. We have gone from in the late, the early 60s to 40 to 42% of the people in this country attending church to today will do good if 17 to 18% of the people in this country attend any church anywhere and there are more people than ever before. Why? Think about it. Is there any organization you know about in the world that could exist being open one day a week, one hour a day? No. I'm not interested and building a church where respectability is more important than the revolution. Like it or not, Jesus Christ was a renegade. He was crucified on a garbage pit outside the city. Not between the pulpit and the chancel. Not in the choir loft. Not on a steeple. He was a revolutionary because he dared to preach that the kingdom of God was more powerful than any kingdom of man. He dared to teach that the human heart could be changed and changed from within, that a person's behavior did not determine their worth to God, but it's God's worth on them that determines their behavior. We don't see Jesus as revolutionary anymore because he's respectable. He's respectable. There's nothing respectable about the grace of God. I'm sorry. Here's what we hear in most churches. This is, I'm just telling you, this is my business. We go to church, and this is what we hear. Obey God. Or else. Or obey God, and good things will happen. Do good. 
and God will bless you. How many people have done good all their lives and their lives are falling apart? That's respectable though, isn't it? Be a good person and God will be good to you. Here's the revolution. We don't obey to be God's people. We are God's people. Therefore, as an act of gratitude, we're more than happy to obey. We don't perform to be accepted. We're already accepted, whether we perform or not. This is mean you can accept Jesus and live any way you want to. That's exactly what you will do. The revolution is, is that he changes your want to. I don't know about you. I'm just not a good enough person to ought to love my wife. I want to want to love my wife. I'm not a good enough person to ought to want to be a good dad. I want to want to be it. I want a different wanna. That's the revolution. Because when the heart changes, everything else changes. Religion is power and guilt and shame. The revolution is grace and love and freedom. Will we do more for God and the world because we're happy and free and joy-filled? Or will we do more if we're miserable, guilt-laden, and shame-bound? You can answer that question, can't you? I don't want to be a part of a church, of building a church which looks more like a walled-in garden than a city on a hill. Let me tell you what I mean. Imagine with me, imagine with me a hill. Can you imagine a hill? A big hill? There's valleys around. The big hill, valley. Everybody with me? Big hill? There you go. All right. On this big hill, there's a church building. And the reason you know there's a church building is because of a big steeple. Open the door, and there's the... See? 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 But on the hill, it's a big, beautiful church. It's great. And this is your imagination. Okay. Now, above this beautiful church, on this hill, there's a hand. There's the hill, and then there's the... Hand. All right, great. And in the hand coming out of the sky, there's a big pitcher of water. Okay? Are you with me? There's the hill and there's the hand. Now down the valley, it's dry. The cities have dried up. It's like, you know, the, the tumbleweed going through. It's like, it's like uh, gun smoke, well, which none of you resonate with whatsoever, but, you know, ask someone next to you. You know, just a dirty, dusty, dank, you know, old western deserted city. All right, so you got the hill, you got the hand, and you got the dried up city. Okay, and then this hand is getting ready to pour water onto this beautiful church on this hill. Okay, you with me? What color is the church? White. Amen. Okay, grass is green up on the hill, but on the, on, in the valley it's dirty and it's brown. It's dead. So as, this, as the water begins to leave the spout, all of a sudden the front doors of this church burst open and out come a whole army of deacons or whoever, whatever the, the thing is. People. And all of a sudden, like, you know, super quick, fast, they, they construct a wall all around 
the hill and the church. And before the water can hit it, they construct a wall, go back in, the doors close, and the water comes down and pours on the steeple, pours on the building, pours around and fills up and is stopped by. And, and every day that water is poured, comes down, it's stopped by the walls. And after a while up there, it's beautiful. It's green and it's lush. has beautiful vineyards and the people are happy and fat and satisfied and most of all, safe. They have safe for the family radio. They have Christian schools around the outside of the wall. It's great. Christian music. They have a Christian nightclub where they only serve ginger ale. But down the valley, everything is dying. You got that image? All right. This is what Jesus said. You are the world's light. A city on a hill. Glowing in the night for all to see. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. Let your good works glow for all to see. So they may see and praise your heavenly Father. Here's what we have an opportunity to do. To build a gathering, a thing, a happening where there are no walls, where we allow the blessings of God that we enjoy to flow out into the valley. Wouldn't it be cool? Or theoretically cool, maybe. And we could be a part of the movement that's happening in this country to take the wall down. It doesn't mean we lose God's blessing. It just means we let it flow down from the hill into the valley and water the ground. Wouldn't it be cool if we got outside the wall and were the church in the real world? Wouldn't it be cool if we ran the companies and populated the government? And wouldn't it be cool if our sons and daughters stepped in, not just to our faith, but into their world? So they wouldn't make the mistakes of the past generation where we've had a personal faith that is personally meaningful, but publicly irrelevant. Well, we took down those walls. So, here's what I propose from the gathering. A simple three, you know, the KISS method. Keep it simple and sincere. Or if you don't like that, how about this? Keep it simple, saints. Uh, most of you don't like that, so we'll go back to the first one. Keep it simple and sincere. What if, we, what if we just did three things and did them incredibly well? What if we, one, gathered for worship and the word? Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, the famous, notorious woman of the night. And she says... Here's their conversation. He said, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. You see, all of us are here today thinking we're seeking, but God has really brought us here seeking us. Seeking to do something, to pour something into our lives, to pull us out of ourselves. 
The woman said, I know that the Messiah called the Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I speak to you, I who speak to you am who? Will anyone ever tell you that Jesus Christ did not claim for himself the very office and work that we ascribe to him? He said, I am the Messiah. I change everything. Wouldn't it be cool if we gathered around worship in the word and we just kept it simple? What if we gathered in an atmosphere, one of celebration, where the spirit of God and the word of God met the deepest hunger of our broken hearts? Wouldn't that be cool? Where the Spirit of God and the Word of God met the deepest hunger of our broken hearts. Where we can at least admit that we're all broken. And the result? Leaving just as mean, mad, messed up, and bored as we came, right? No. How about transformation? How about freedom? How about great joy? I mean, as you read the Bible, don't you at least think theoretically that if Jesus Christ is who he says he is and he'll do what he says he'll do and he is overtaking your heart, that, there ought, that you ought to at least be a freed up, joy-filled person, even though you may still be a sinner, you know. There ought to be some freedom and some joy in that. What if we gathered for worship? What if secondly... We were to grow, again, this is revolutionary, so don't, you know, just listen to me a minute. What if we were to grow in our love for God and each other? Wouldn't that be radical? You've never heard that before, have you? Uh, huh. I mean, where we actually loved each other. We actually accepted the fact that we're all profoundly messed up. But we love each other anyway. That, we, that our commitment to God carries with it a commitment to each other. A lady came up to me the other night and she said, she said, you know, I used to, I, I used to come and hear you speak. And then I go back to my church. She said, I attended two churches on the same day. I said, you must be really, really bad person. She said, no, I would come I would come to get my heart touched and then I would go and find my friends. And I said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we just did that at one-stop location? Like a one-stop shop. We could actually love Jesus and worship him and love God and find some really meaningful relationships all at the same place. I know I'm talking out of the top of my head, but wouldn't that be cool? Where we just really actually loved each other. A new commandment, Jesus said, I give. Love one another. You see, I don't have a problem loving all the people in Brazil. I do. I pray for them. Oh, God bless them. Save Brazil. I even pray for Africa. It's the people next to me that's giving me the trouble. How about you? It's the people I know. It's the one another's. But isn't that the true test of our faith? That we love one another. That we stick with one another. Wouldn't it be cool if, if we grew together? 
where we watched each other's back, where we wouldn't give up on each other, where when we're not here, we're missed. Wouldn't that be cool? Where when someone said, that no one would say, you know what, if you need anything, call me. You ever heard that big cop out? You're not going to call them. Wouldn't it be cool if, if, I, if, if, you, if you absent yourself and you start retreating into a corner, I'm going to be all over you. I'm calling you. Wouldn't that be cool if we wouldn't let each other go? If we put feet and legs on our commitment to God and evidence of our commitment to one another. Where we just simply refuse to be bitter and unforgiving, period. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Wouldn't that be cool? What if we gathered to worship where the Spirit of God and the Word of God were to transform our lives, fill us up with joy, and set us free? Where we actually go out and, and then we'd actually go out and have lunch with the people we actually just worship with? Not have them for lunch, I mean, actually go out with them for lunch. Wouldn't that be cool? And, and, and we actually went you know, to a restaurant and, and, and we ate together and we were happy and laughing and excited. Is that asking too much? And we left like a big tip. So people would know we're saved and born again and going to heaven. I mean, I don't know. Is that too much to ask? What if, we, what if we had a gathering where we, we gathered to worship, where we would grow in our love for God, evidenced in our love for each other, and where we, where we practiced what I call uh, rags. You know, have any rags in your house? You have a rag, you have a rag in my car, and clean off all the dirt. But what if our rags were random acts of generosity? What if we, were, we practiced generosity? I mean, if we gather to worship God and we grow together, wouldn't we have something to give? I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about all that mess. It's not like a sideways entrance into that. I mean, just be generous. For God so loved the world that he formed a committee. No? For God so loved the, loved the world that he what? Jesus said, no, you cannot measure the love until you've given your life for your brother. Generosity. And not just simply, you know, well, we got to be, be generous because we can. What if we gather to celebrate the goodness of God and the hope we have in Jesus Christ with the result being transformation of our lives. What would happen if we grew together, up, out, and more? What would happen if we then practiced generosity? Rather than saying, sign up to serve, we would say, all those who are able to practice generosity and you want to help create a new world, sign up. Because shouldn't our service be motivated by gratitude? I'm just asking. I park that car, nobody else will. 
I want to park a car in the name of Jesus. Do it and hope, hope somehow God counts it down for me. I mean, have you ever taken your child, you know, to, to Sunday school and you look at the person, you know, I mean, when I was a kid, this is honest truth, they go to Sunday school because my parents made me. And these are really nice people, but they look like they're all out on parole. They look miserable. Here, give me the kids. Sit down, shut up. Fill out that courtly. Put out the blank. And I just think there's no joy. There's no happiness. Wouldn't it be cool if we just gathered to grow, to become the kind of generous men and women that we ought to be if we're Christ followers? I mean, it is, how, it is what we are. I practice generosity in my marriage. I practice it with my children. I practice it with my neighbors. It's simply, I'm, 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 God is building so much into me that it's very easy to give it away. Because listen to what Solomon said. Or, 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 let me go back up. I didn't, Solomon said, I'll put it somewhere. It's all at the top of the back of the outline if you're following me. Solomon says, so now I hate life because it is also irrational. All is foolishness chasing the wind. I am disgusted about this, that I must leave the fruits of all my hard work to others. Now, the truth of the matter is everything, everything we acquire on this life, in this life, materially must be left behind. But it can be invested in such a way that we never lose it. And here's one thing I found. If you live right, there is nothing anyone can take away from you of any value that can't be replaced except your heart, your love, and your salvation. It can all be replaced because out of the heart of a generous person flows life. Wouldn't it be cool if that's just all we did? Gather, grow, practice generosity to create the kind of world that we want to see that we loved each other. We had no criticism for any other body because we all need each other. The Church of Jesus Christ is the only organization in the world that ought to be cheering for the success of every other one. I mean, if I'm owning, if, I'm, you know, if I own McDonald's, I'm hoping Wendy's has a bad day. I'm sorry. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't care what your name is. If you love Jesus, you're my brother and you're my sister. And we were that way. Just an idea. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to gather here this morning. For all the generosity that has been poured out into this day. The generosity of people who wrote their own checks to rent rooms and equipment and the generosity of people who just said, hey, I'll be there and park a car. Or I'll be there and hold a door. I'll be there and just, just be. My Father, we didn't come here today just to hear about that. We came here to be touched by your spirit. So Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of the word of God would be operating in every heart in life. 
There's people in this room who are carrying deep, abiding burdens. There are brokenness in this place that none of us can begin to fathom. Or someone dealing with cancer. Someone dealing with a loss or the threat of a loss of a job. Not just a job, but an entire career. Some who have broken relationships. Some who feel so incredibly lost. Some who believe the lie of Satan when he said in their ear, you're not going to make it. This is too tough. It's too difficult. You're never going to make it back. You're going to lose everything. Father, I pray in Jesus' name against all of those voices, against all of that shame, against all of that guilt. Jesus, let your voice be heard. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let us hear in our hearts, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And I will make all of your path straight. Father, let faith and hope and joy well up within us. Send us away full of ideas, full of joy, freed up. Not afraid of the things we are afraid of when we walked in here. Not worrying about the details we worried about when we drove into this parking lot. And we see the sky, the world, and our future very differently because of the reality of who you are and that I matter to you. We pray it in Jesus Christ, the name of our Lord we love. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I'd like to meet you down front.